Hello and welcome to the JNMP podcast. I'm here today with Dr. Andrew Summerlad, who's a Wellcome Trust Research Fellow at the University College London, and we're going to be discussing his recent JNMP review, looking at marriage and the risk of dementia. So Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Andrew, why might marital status affect dementia? And perhaps you could just tell me a bit about what kind of dementia you're talking about in your paper. We're interested in this research area because it's well known that uh, being married is associated with a range of different health benefits, including living a longer life uh, and lower risk of mortality. Uh, And we thought that some of these benefits might extend to a lower dementia risk. We know there there are no current cures for dementia, so there's increasing interest in thinking about modifiable lifestyle factors which might be able to reduce dementia risk. Um, So we don't see marriage as a modifiable risk factor as such, but we thought about it in this study as a proxy for the amount of social interaction that people have in their lifetime. Somebody who's married is likely to have more contact with other people. Uh, There's some evidence that, that having more social contact might be associated with reduced dementia risk. Um, so we uh, looked at it in that sort of way. So um, when we thought about which dementia to include, we actually included the main analysis, all cause dementia, so all of the common dementia types. But we also looked at the risk of dementia according to marital status in different dementia types. So we were able to look at, uh, look at this in a bit more detail in our study. So you sort of looked across the board, across dementia, the umbrella term, and then you looked within each sort of particular diagnosis. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Exactly. I mean, specifically, we looked at Alzheimer's disease and vascular dementia, the two commonest forms, because these are the ones that, that previous studies have looked at. So um, you did a systematic review and a meta-analysis. Um, I wondered if you could just briefly outline the major findings from your study. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we, as you say, we, we searched the research literature to find all of the studies which had examined this relationship. And all of these studies are observational studies, uh, clearly uh, conducting randomised controlled trials of marriage is not something that would ever be done. Uh, observational studies, therefore, are the best uh, sort of evidence that, that we can use uh, in, uh, in this sort of research. Uh, so we looked at all sorts of observational studies, so including cohort studies, case control and cross-sectional studies, and again looked just to, to see whether the different study type might have affected our findings. So we, we really tried to scrutinise the literature as much as possible. We contacted authors to find other studies and, and where results were unclear. We contacted people who and we got a number of helpful responses from study authors to clarify their findings. So overall, we found 15 studies uh, which had a total of well over 800,000 participants within them. And our main finding was that in the highest quality studies, compared to those people who are married, single people had a 42% higher risk of dementia and widowed people had a 20% higher risk of dementia uh, and there was no difference in divorced people. So uh, we then conducted some additional uh, analyses to look at possible explanations for this finding uh, and we found that less education partly explains uh, the risk in widowed people and worse physical health partly explains the risk in single people compared to married people. So thinking about 
the findings from your study and you talked a bit about it before in terms of the protectiveness perhaps or the social interaction that marriage might encourage um, or facilitate what is it about the marriage that you think might be protective yeah so uh, we don't think it's marriage itself which reduces someone's risk there are a number of potential explanations for for this association uh, being found as i said that in studies um, which adjusted educational level and physical health the increased risk of dementia was attenuated somewhat although not completely meaning that educational level or possibly social uh, socioeconomic status it's difficult to disentangle those two things uh, and physical health are likely to uh, ex- partly explain the relationship probably as uh, uh, mediate the relationship between marriage and dementia risk so married people uh, have look after their physical health better than unmarried people and uh, we know that many of those physical factors like uh, having well-controlled blood pressure, well-controlled diabetes, uh, taking more physical exercise, drinking less is likely to reduce dementia risk. So that's probably part of the explanation. But as I said, even adjusting for those for physical health and educational status, the increased risk of dementia wasn't removed completely. So we think that that probably suggests that the remaining effect is related to the level of social engagement that people have. And we think really that having more contact with other people, having frequent conversations, the kind of effort that goes into social interactions helps to build cognitive reserve, meaning the ability of someone to be resilient to the neuropathological damage that might otherwise cause dementia. So lots of social interaction might mean that you have more strategies built up over time to enable you to withstand the damage of uh, associated with Alzheimer's disease or vascular changes within the brain, meaning that you might actually display the symptoms of dementia later than someone who had less uh, social interaction. One of the things that I picked up in the paper um, that I thought was really interesting was the fact that the widowhood proved more of a risk than divorce, which I guess if you're thinking about the social interaction is quite interesting. And I wondered whether we could talk a bit more about that. Why is it, do you think, that widowhood is more risky than divorce? And, and was that something that you sort of hypothesised on? We would rather probably expect the opposite if we're thinking about a sort of a dose response of being married. So you would expect someone who was never married would have the highest risk. Someone who was divorced, which and divorce usually would take place earlier in life than widowhood would have a, the next highest risk and then widowed people who would have had longer period of marriage. So I suppose that does raise the question as to whether there's something else that might be underlying this. One of our possible explanations is that the end of a relationship uh, specifically has an, a detrimental effect on our cognitive function. Um, so being divorced or being bereaved has, a, has an additional effect. And this is the sort of thing that we hear about clinically you know, uh, relatives will bring their uh, their father or mother and say that they noticed a real change when their spouse uh, died. It may well be that actually the the very uh, devastating effects of losing a spouse in old age has a very detrimental effect on cognitive function. Other studies that have tried to kind of rank stressful life events have found that being bereaved is the the most stressful life event that can happen and more stressful than divorce. So it's quite possible that the effect of the actual, the end of the marriage is uh, stronger for somebody 
being bereaved than, than being divorced. And I think this is conceivable in terms of thinking about uh, really just the, the effect on cognition of losing your partner and the fact that suddenly if you've been able to mobilize strategies to cope with a small amount of cognitive decline if suddenly there is a very serious life event it might mean that actually it suddenly reduces the ability to be able to cope and the symptoms of dementia um, emerge at an, at an earlier stage than they otherwise might do. And sort of even conversely to that, one of your findings suggested that the risk for lifelong single people um, sort of had reduced over time. So over the generations is how I understood it. Why might this be? That's right. So our, our research suggested that the higher risk for single people might be lessening over time. So single people born in the, in the I mean, all of these studies were studying people who are in old age now. So the, the earliest people were born in, in and included in these studies was the end of the 19th century up to about the middle of the 20th century. So people born in the first quarter of the 20th century had a 40% higher risk than married people, whereas later studies only found a 24% higher risk for single people compared to married people. So we think that it's likely that in the very first part of the 20th century, marriage was an absolute social norm. So um, it may well be that people who weren't getting married were somehow unusual in some characteristics, perhaps cognitively or in terms of their personality, which might have actually predisposed them to developing dementia. Um, so, but it's, it's more likely that over time, as being unmarried becomes more of a social norm, that any pre-existing differences between married and unmarried people are lessening and also the sort of lifestyle of an unmarried compared to a married person might be converging so certainly recent evidence in young people so people aged 20s and 30s now finds that younger people who are unmarried have wider social networks see more people than married people do so it's one of the sort of caveats to this finding obviously this is a it's a a bit of a snapshot in time and actually it's likely that this is a partly cultural phenomenon that might change over time it's interesting to think yeah of course that as we get older or the younger generations the broadening of the sort of social networks and the communities um, is just broader than it was in the past or you potentially could argue that um, which as if it fits sort of aligns with the idea of social interaction being the protective factor that, that would fit in quite nicely and I guess just time will tell really I think that's right. And I think it's, you know, it's also an important message. Um, Some coverage of this story in the media has really focused on the idea that single people should get married to reduce their risk of dementia. But that isn't really the, well, it certainly isn't the message that we're trying to put across. But that finding perhaps says, well, well, actually, there are things that unmarried people can do that I'm sure that most people would want to do anyway, which is, you know, looking after themselves more physically and um, being more in contact socially will actually reduce risk rather than necessarily needing to go out and um, find a husband or a wife absolutely yeah sort of reinforces the the narrative that already exists in the literature doesn't it that as we said the social protectiveness social interaction looking after yourself what's good for your heart's good for your brain that sort of narrative is what people should be following and this study sort of feeds into that quite nicely and whether that's through the care of a significant other or through a wider community as a single person they're still both equally valid Yeah, I think that's right, yes. 
So, I mean, that feeds your comments just then feed quite nicely into my five final question, Andrew. Um, you know, as we've discussed, marital status isn't modifiable, despite what the newspapers might have suggested. So with this in mind, and sort of uh, with your clinician hat on, I suppose, how can the sort of health practitioners, patients or, or the public interpret these findings? How can it really sort of identify at-risk groups or even work towards reducing the risk? I suppose there are absolutely different messages for the different groups. Um, I think overall this does tell us about a high-risk population, so it's important to think about that in terms of uh, future research, you know, understanding that, that marriage might be a risk factor for dementia. There's increasing interest in developing strategies for reducing dementia risk because the idea of being able to, uh, to develop lifestyle approaches to re reducing risk are important. And perhaps this tells us a little bit about group who are at higher risk, who, who maybe should be more targeted by some of these interventions. And it tells us about strategies that might help for unmarried people. I think this reinforces the message that is, I think, becoming increasingly well known that dementia is not an inevitable consequence of ageing and that there are things that we can all do to make a difference to our risk of dementia. And those really focused on good for the heart is good for the brain mantra that eating healthily, taking exercise and prompt treatment of cardiovascular and other medical problems is beneficial. And in addition, hopefully, this might also feed into future work on thinking about approaches to increase social interaction for older people. And I think finally, I do think there's a message really for clinicians. We know that uh, diagnosis is often difficult to people who attend clinics alone uh, rather than accompanied by their spouse, as it's harder to get information about the symptoms of the condition. But considering that you know, an unmarried person who might be more likely to attend a clinic alone is actually at higher risk. I think that doctors need to take steps to ensure thorough assessment um, and be aware that, that this is a higher risk group. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for joining me on the JNMP podcast today. Really appreciated your time. Okay, thank you very much. So that was Dr. Andrew Summerlad, who's a Wellcome Trust Research Fellow at the University College London. And he was, of course, talking about his review in the JNMP, which you can download for free now on jnmp.bmj.com. And thank you all for listening. <laughs>